Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. It is a rarely understood truth, a mystery to all mankind, even the Christian world grasps only the smallest bit of this truth. It is the fundamental question of why Christ came. Why did Jesus Christ come to earth the first time almost 2,000 years ago? There is a lot of misunderstanding about this subject. If you were to ask the average person who maybe has a little bit of familiarity with the Bible, he might tell you that Christ came to bring peace and to save mankind. And yet here are a couple verses that contradict this. Matthew 10 verse 34, Christ speaking while he was on earth the first time, think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. And he goes on to explain there how families would be split up and divided because some would choose to follow Christ at that time and others would choose not to. Some would be called by God and others would not be. And so those who were called to follow God would have to put God ahead of their own families. They would have to obey God instead of worrying about their reputation with other people. So Christ did not bring peace the first time he was on earth. Now, the other misconception about Christ coming to earth is that he came to save mankind. And yet here in Matthew 13, verse 11, he tells his disciples why, why he spoke in parables to the multitudes. Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. So Christ is saying here he actually purposely obscured the meaning of his message so that the vast majority of people could not understand it yet. Only a select few called out of the world ahead of time could understand what Christ was actually talking about. In researching for this program, I found a Live by Every Word episode. You can find this in the archives at kpcg.fm. Mr. Brian Davis gave this episode. It's called Why Jesus Christ Came to Earth. And he quoted those two verses. I'll leave the link to this show in the show notes as well. I think we're both, we both have quite uh, different 
material for the most part for these shows. So probably would be worth your time to go and listen to that one too. Why Jesus Christ came to earth. Here's a pretty solid overarching answer for the reason why Christ came. This is from Mr. of the Ages, a book available to you for free at thetrumpet.com, written by the late Worldwide Church of God founder, Herbert W. Armstrong. In chapter six of Mystery of the Ages, titled Mystery of the Church, on page 216, he wrote, Christ had come, one, to qualify where the first Adam failed, to replace the former archangel Lucifer on the throne of the earth ruling with the government of God. He had come to, to announce the future establishment of the kingdom of God and teach that prophetic good news gospel to his chosen future apostles. He had come three to take on himself as our direct creator, the penalty for our sins by his death on, on the cross that we might share in that world. And he had come for to be resurrected from the dead by God, making possible eternal God life for the people of God. And after his second coming for all who are willing of all humanity who have ever lived on this earth. And he had come five to establish God's church to be trained to rule under him. There you have it. Five specific reasons, specific purposes, why Christ came to earth the first time. So we'll go through all five of these. Number one, Jesus Christ came to earth to defeat the devil. Now, just this one point requires an understanding of perhaps Millions of years of history. Going back into prehistory. Before the universe even existed. God. And the word. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Created the angels. Before they created anything physical. These awesome immortal brilliantly radiant and powerful angelic spirit beings. And once God created the universe, he sent Lucifer, the archangel and a third of all the angels to the earth. This was the training ground for those angels they were to prove themselves loyal to God, obedient to God's law, submissive to God's government while they were on earth. But sadly, that is not how it worked out. Lucifer became vain. He became jealous of God. He coveted more responsibility and more power right away. He didn't want to do it God's way. God would have given him the universe if he had just been patient, if he had just done it God's way. Instead, Lucifer's mind twisted 
And he started to influence all the millions of angels under him and cause them to become bitter as well. To the point where pr pretty much they just wanted to forcefully overthrow God from his throne in the third heaven. So, ever since that rebellion, Satan has been in charge of the earth. God has allowed him to keep his position on earth. He hasn't been dethroned yet. Adam had a chance, but you can see how that worked out in Genesis chapter 3, where Satan deceived Adam's wife, Eve, and then Eve led Adam astray. Adam was not deceived. He was not fooled by Satan's lies. And yet he still went along with his wife. So Adam did not qualify to unseat the devil from earth's throne. He did not defeat the devil. And so Jesus Christ, who is called the second Adam, had to do it. He had to qualify to become the new king over earth. Notice Matthew 4. Mr. Armstrong called this chapter the Titanic Battle of the Ages, or at least the confrontation in this chapter he called the Titanic Battle of the Ages. And it is awesome. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That's why he was out here in the wilderness. There had to be a clash. There had to be a titanic battle of the ages between the good spirit realm and the evil spirit realm. Christ versus Satan. Verse 2, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. He was hungry. And now notice here in this passage what exactly Satan did to try to defeat Christ, to prevent Christ from qualifying to take his place as king over earth. Matthew 4, verse 3, And when the tempter came to him, he said, If you be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So yes, Christ was very hungry after 40 days with no sustenance at all. That's the first way that Christ or that Satan attacked Christ. Telling him, oh, you have the power, right? Don't you have the power? to turn these stones right here into bread and feed yourself. So really, he's, he's attacking Christ's non-existent vanity as well. If, that big word, if you be the son of God. But he's also attacking Christ's hunger. Christ was a human at this point. He was weakened physically. And he needed to eat. But he couldn't do it this way. 
or else he would fail in this titanic battle of the ages. Matthew 4, verse 5, Then the devil takes him up into the holy city and sets him on a pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you dash your foot against a stone. And then in verse 7, Jesus said unto him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. So again, Satan keeps trying to prod at Christ, make Christ lash out and prove that he was a God by throwing himself off a cliff because the angels would catch him anyway. Satan was distorting scripture to fit his agenda. That probably sounds familiar to certain things happening in the world today. Matthew 4, verse 8. One more attack here. Again, the devil takes him up into an exceeding high mountain and shows him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and says unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then says Jesus unto him, Get you hence, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil leaves him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. So that's Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Satan tried to inflame vanity in Christ. He tried to get Christ to cave in to his hunger. He tried to make Christ show off his power. And he tried to make Christ impatient and desire to take over the world at that exact moment. Satan offered Christ the world right away. And instead of having to wait another 2,000 years for it, Satan could have, or Christ could have taken Satan up on that offer and possessed it right away. But of course, Satan is a liar. John 8, verse 44. No one was going to hold him to this promise. So, really... Christ probably wouldn't have become king at that time anyway. Very smart move there <laughs> to not fall into that trap. So here, Christ has power over the devil. He has the authority to tell the devil to go away, and, and Satan has to do it. Jesus Christ came to earth to defeat the devil. That's the first point. Point number two. Jesus Christ came to earth to announce God's kingdom. Notice here, just several verses down, Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There is a lot of misunderstanding about this verse as well. 
Um, there is a companion verse, Mark 1, verse 15. Here it says, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the gospel. So right after winning this titanic battle of the ages against Satan, Christ announced God's kingdom. The gospel, the true gospel, is the good news of the coming kingdom of God. So Christ is saying here, he's basically declaring victory. Christ had just qualified to be the next king over the earth. But that would not happen, that will not happen, until Christ's second coming in power and glory. The whole world will know when it is time for Christ to become king. But of course, many of the Jews of Christ's day misunderstood. They thought Christ was a subversive. They thought he was a radical who would take over world government 2,000 years ago. But Christ first had to ensure that God's kingdom would come by defeating Satan. He had to qualify to be the next king of earth before he could go around telling everyone about this coming kingdom. Now, don't get it twisted. Christ did not come to bring glory to himself. John 1 verse 18 says, It's talking about Christ the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared the Father. Christ always put the focus on the Father. The God kingdom is the God family. And God the Father is in charge. Christ is the King who will return at his second coming. But that kingdom... That position will be bestowed upon him by God. So, point number one, Jesus Christ came to earth to defeat the devil. And point number two, Jesus Christ came to earth to announce God's kingdom. Point number three, Jesus Christ came to earth to suffer for mankind. Now, I worded this in a particular way just to to cover the whole extent of everything because there is a two-sided sacrifice that Christ made for all of us. It's, It's not just the death of Christ. It also has to do with all that Christ endured before that death happened, all that suffering, that beating, that agony. Notice here Psalm 103, verse 3, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases. So you have in the first half of this verse, these, you could say these spiritual sins, these sins that break God's law, the Ten Commandments. And then in the second half of Psalm 103, verse 3, you have physical sins. 
sins that lead to sickness, injury, and death. And Christ actually came to earth and paid the penalty for both types of sin, spiritual sin and physical sin. The physical side is often overlooked, but it is a vitally important part of why Christ came to earth. We can have faith in God's promise to heal, but we also have to have the understanding of God's timing. God does work healing miracles if we apply that physical sacrifice of Christ, that beating of Christ to pay for our physical sins. There are miracles that often do occur to heal us when it looked like that could never happen. But in the time, in the time frame of God's plan, healing also includes the resurrection. It includes the next life because even those who do die of sickness, injury in this life, those who do not get healed to prevent physical death, they will defeat death. 1 Corinthians 15 talks about death being the last enemy to be defeated. Death won't exist in the future. We'll defeat death. That's the ultimate healing. That's the ultimate fulfillment of God's healing promise. In the next life, when we have a chance to be, become part of God's family and we can put off these physical bodies, we won't have physical sickness and injury anymore. We won't suffer from that anymore. The spirit body is impervious to that. It's invincible to physical ailments. So Christ was beaten to pay for physical sins and he was murdered to pay for spiritual sins. Notice here Romans 6 verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. Death is what we earn when we sin. So we're talking about spiritual sin again. The thing is, traditional Christianity really can't define for you what is sin. If we earn death when we sin, isn't it a little bit important to know what sin actually is? 1 John 3 verse 4 Sin is the transgression of the law. Sin is the breaking of the law. And the most noteworthy law God ever gave is the Ten Commandments. These ten spiritual points that would solve all world problems. Sin breaks that law. And the penalty for that is death. Thankfully, Christ came to earth to pay that penalty for us. Because God created all mankind through the word who later became Christ. Christ's life was greater than the sum total of all human lives. He created all of us. So his one death can remove 
that death penalty from all of us, that eternal death penalty. Human beings are physical. We live and we die. But Christ came to remove that eternal death penalty. There is hope in a resurrection because of Christ's sacrifice. When you understand that, death isn't really death anymore because it's not permanent. Physical death doesn't last. There is another life. 1 John 5 verse 3 says that the love of God is that we keep his commandments. This is deep into the New Testament. And it's saying we should keep God's commandments. If we want to have God's love, if we want to show love, we have to keep the commandments. And it says his commandments are not grievous. They're not a burden like plenty of churches out there would teach. So Jesus Christ came to earth to suffer for mankind. There was the beating to pay for physical sins that cause sickness and injury and death. And there was the actual death of Christ that paid for our spiritual sins, breaking God's law, breaking the Ten Commandments. And by that death, Christ will relieve us from having to face eternal death. But of course, we must choose life. We must choose the right way to avoid that penalty still. Number four, Jesus Christ came to earth to offer eternal life. Now, this is still different from the misconception that Christ came to earth to save mankind because plenty of people have the timing all wrong. They think that Christ is in a soul-saving crusade against the devil right now, that it's all about saving as many people as we can right now, going on missionary trips all over the world, preaching the gospel door to door, forcing this message on everyone we talk to in public. And that's just not true. That's not what's supposed to be happening. Christ came to offer eternal life, but it's eternal life according to God's perfect timing. Not everyone is called today. John 6 verse 44 says, no one can even come to God unless God actually calls us to him. And he's not calling the whole world right now. Like Mr. Armstrong said, after the second coming, eternal God life will be possible for all humanity. They will be offered salvation after Christ's second coming. They're not having to be held accountable for living God's way now. They don't know better yet. It's all within God's timing. Now, point number five. Well, just quickly here on point number four, these conditions for 
receiving eternal life. Repentance and faith, you can find those in Acts 2, verse 38. These are conditions that those God has called today are trying to meet. And those are the conditions that all mankind will try to meet after Christ's coming. So point number five, why Jesus Christ came to earth. Jesus Christ came to earth to establish God's church. Matthew 16, verse 18, Christ said, I will build my church. That verse talks about essentially a pebble and a rock, capital R. You have the human leader of the church, the apostle Peter, and you have the rock, capital R, Jesus Christ. Christ is the spiritual head of the church, working through one man and through God's government structure. And God's church is the kingdom of God in embryo. Christ is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, meaning that there are other kings and lords in God's kingdom. And those in God's church today are working and preparing to teach all mankind in the future. So we'll just recap those points. These five mysterious reasons why Jesus Christ came to earth. These reasons baffle mankind. One, Jesus Christ came to earth to defeat the devil. Two, Jesus Christ came to earth to announce God's kingdom. Three, Jesus Christ came to earth to suffer for mankind. Four, Jesus Christ came to earth to offer eternal life. And five, Jesus Christ came to earth to establish God's church. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.